He's the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. What that means is before God even created anything, he knew he was going to create humans. He knew that humans were going to fall and he was going to send Jesus on a rescue mission. He knew that that was going to happen. It was always in his heart to send his son. That wasn't like, a, oh man, I didn't think that was going to happen. So now I got to fix this thing. This was always the plan. Is your name written in the lamb's book of life? You want it to be because it's the book of life. It's really hard to wrap your head around the idea that God knew what you were going to do before you were even created. And it might be tempting to get mad at God for not stopping you from making some of the bad decisions you made. Pastor Daniel will show you how your life choices reveal how you've been in this spiritual battle your whole life. You just switch sides when you decided to follow Jesus, and you'll learn why this is the winning side. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Revelation, chapter 13, as he continues his message, The Two Beasts. God's word, we know it's God's word. Prophecies, you just don't know what God's doing, and you might misinterpret it. We assume a lot of things when we hear prophetic words, just like we assume a lot of things when we hear the Bible. So we need discernment, because one of the things that Satan does to the believer is he seeks to get us a little bit off track. And oftentimes it comes and it looks like this might be the real deal. It has the illusion or it presents as something that is from God. There's scriptures involved in it. Hey, look at this. Look at how it all fits together. But really, we need to be people who are discerning because it is really easy. And if you don't believe me, read a book on church history. Because the church has gotten off track and almost every renewal movement in the history of the church comes because someone who's got mojo and charisma or whatever it is, they come on the scene and then all of a sudden it looks good, but then it ends up going this way. There's biblical realities to it, but it's not solid. And then before you know it, you have all these splintering groups and all these things and people are getting hurt. So we have to realize that Satan is a counterfeiter and he's a liar and he's a deceiver. And even in the last days, what you're going to find is all of these things are going to have biblical overtones to them. People who have a collective history that understands the things of God, these things tie in. Oh, look at this. He's like, he died. Now he's, he's alive again. It's a resurrection. Obviously, there's something special about this person. But of course, the Bible tells us these things in advance so that We wouldn't be ignorant of Satan's devices and we'll be able to understand what's going on. So what goes on is that because of this wound that's been healed, everyone marvels and they begin to follow the beast. So it's a leader. And then it says, so they worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast and they worship the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? So the people are marveling at this leader. But really what they're doing is they're worshiping the dragon. Because they're following, and they're saying, no one is quite like this beast. Notice verse five. And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell on the earth. So you see, the beast's MO is to blaspheme God. And remember I told you, what's the big battle? The big battle is about the supremacy and the preeminence of Jesus. 
And I'm here to tell you, we live in a world that lives its life blaspheming God. You realize that? Like, our world is against Jesus. Why? Because Jesus says, we're all sinners and we need saving. In our culture, our culture wants to hear, you're great just the way you are. You do you. Rock and roll. I'm not against rock and roll. You guys know that. I was just playing the bass. You know, I like rock and roll. But the idea is, is that Anything is blasphemy against God when it says, actually, what God's word said is is wrong. You don't need to repent. You don't need to believe in Jesus. Believe in everything else. See, we have all these cultural things. So we live in a culture that isn't welcoming to the narrow gate of what it means to follow Jesus. Now, can I just say this? Because this is something I'm learning as I'm getting older, and it's really profound to me, is that the narrow gate isn't only how I get into heaven The narrow gate is also how I follow Jesus. As I've gotten older, I realize that more and more I believe in Jesus. I enter through the narrow gate. It's a difficult way if you find it, but it leads to life. But actually, growing in Jesus is also a very narrow gate, isn't it? Where all things are lawful, but not all things edify. So I want to encourage you not only to believe in Jesus as you enter through the narrow gate, but I want to encourage you to mature in your faith by continuing to choose to enter through the narrow gate. Because broad is the way that leads to destruction. And everybody finds it, but it doesn't lead you where you want to go. And I believe that in maturity, as I'm getting older, God is like, Daniel, every bit of your discipleship is entering through the narrow gate. There's no broad gate for you. You have to enter through the narrow gate. Who you are, how you live, what you value, all these things. It's like the spirit of God is funneling towards the narrow gate. He's saying, listen, yeah, come on. And I believe for, that for some of us, that's the struggle right now. You're like, I believe in Jesus, but why do I have to be so specific or intentional about it? Because the Spirit of God is saying, unless you're specific and intentional about it, you're not going to grow. You need to keep being funneled by the Spirit into the narrow gate. And especially in a world where the world is actively against Jesus. Now, listen to what it says. This is Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Paul gives us a lot more information on the Antichrist. It says, Let no one deceive you by any means, for the day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So you see, that's 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. See, he exalts himself above all that is called, of all that is where he's saying, so he's going into the temple and he's demanding worship, which is exactly what it says here. Those, verse 6, then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. So that's why he gets that moniker, the Antichrist. Now, don't miss, he's given authority to continue for how long? 42 months. That's verse 5. We've seen this over and over again, right? 42 months, 1,260 days, a time's time and a half a time, three and a half year period, the second half of the 70th week of Daniel. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just type in Daniel chapter 9, the 70th week, last three and a half. And I've been going on about this. Someone said, Daniel, how do you remember all this? I don't know. But it's in there. You can keep studying it. It all fits together there. But notice what it says next. It was granted to him, verse 7, to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. Now, 
Don't miss that. For 42 months, all authority has been granted to him to make war against the saints and authority has been given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. Now, every time I see tribe, tongue, and nation, I always think that the gospel message is always about something so much more than us. That we have to be involved in the global thrust of the gospel. That even though God is doing a work in us and in our nation, there is a great global cause to the gospel that as a church family, we are very much in the middle of. I've been thinking about this because, you know, here in the Pacific Northwest, we have so many people who live here now who are from what was considered the Russian-speaking countries. I remember growing up, communist Russia was atheists. But Christians would go in, right, all the time. And what happened? And there's a great, amazing churches from people from that ethnicity. I'm Italian. Back in the day, the Italians were pagan with a capital P. But the Apostle Paul, all he wanted to do was bring the gospel out to the Italian people. You go all over the world, you travel, and the gospel is there. Right now, the research is coming out, and all the news is coming out, that you know where the fastest per-population church, fastest-growing churches in the world? In Iran. It's a revival going on underground in Iran right now. It's amazing. It's like in the most restricted places. The largest church in the world is in China, where Christianity has been suppressed and has largely been illegal. You realize there's more Christians in China than there's people in America. Yes, yes. And guess what? There's also more Christians in India than there are people in America. Why? Because our God loves people. And as a church, we are so committed to the global cause of the gospel. Listen, we're going to reach our community and we're going to reach the world. If you're here on campus, if you go on into our Love Now Cafe, we put up a scroll. We want to show you all of our missionaries, all the people that we're supporting all over the world. When you are generous here at Crossroads, it supports missionaries all over the world. Because when I see that ultimately the battle is not just for the hearts of Americans. I mean, listen, remember I talked about the need for nuance? You should love your country and where you live, but not to the expense that you love your country other than other countries. Now, I realize there's all sorts of political overtones when you make a statement like that. I'm not talking politically, I'm talking spiritually speaking. I want America to do great, but America's not the only thing in God's economy because God is interested in tribes, tongues, people, and nations. And as a church, you want to have that kind of a view where you're thinking not only locally, but you're also thinking globally because ultimately, the Antichrist is going to have authority over tribes, over tongues and over nations. None of us, all who dwell on the earth, verse eight, will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. Now what this means is that people who have not given their lives to Jesus, whose name is written in the book of life, they're gonna worship the antichrist. And the only thing I can say to each one of you is make sure your name is written in the lamb's book of life. That's what you have to make sure. Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. And don't miss, he's the Lamb slain before the foundations of the world. What that means is before God even created anything, he knew he was going to create humans. He knew that humans were going to fall and he was going to send Jesus on a rescue mission. He knew that that was going to happen. It was always in his heart to send his son. That wasn't like a, oh man, I didn't think that was going to happen, so now i got to fix this thing. This was always the plan. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? You want it to be. 
because it's the book of life. And God created us for life. And if you have not yet put your faith and trust in Jesus, today's the day. Now is the acceptable hour. Do not wait one second to put your faith in Jesus. Now, someone's bound to say, well, Fusco, listen, that's all great, but like, I don't know if I believe in Jesus. I've never, how will I know? The Bible says that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Everybody wants evidence. I remember when I put my faith and trust in Jesus, I did not have a lot of evidence. I just knew I needed a ton of help, and Jesus was like, yeah, I'll help. And I'm like, thank you. I didn't have all the answers. I had all sorts of question marks. I was super skeptical of who Jesus was and what it all meant and how it was all going to work. I did not have a lot of answers. And I'm here to tell you every single day, I'm grateful that I said yes to Jesus. I'm grateful that God gave me the gift of faith. And I was humble and honest enough to say, God, I need help. And if you're going to give it, I'm taking it. Thank you. I need help. Because I have seen, like, I know too much. I could never say I don't believe in Jesus. I've seen too much. I know too much. I've seen too much. But part of the journey is you got to walk by faith. I was talking to someone recently, like, well, Daniel, like, so you're just saying I just need to take a step of faith and believe in Jesus? I'm like, pretty much. That's the story. And they're like, well, what happens if I don't see anything? I'm like, to be honest with you, I've never seen that happen before. In all my years following Jesus, I've never seen someone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus and sincerely seeks to walk with God who says, well, Jesus is a real later. Normally, if it does happen, it's because there's other things happening. Like, you know, like drugs or sin of all sorts. They want to run after somebody else who's not their spouse. And they're like, I can't believe in Jesus because I know if I believe in Jesus, I got to stay with my spouse. And you have all those other things that are going on. But someone who sincerely follows Jesus, I've never seen someone walk away because they see too much. And don't get me wrong. doesn't mean when you say yes, you understand everything. <laughs> no. You're never going to understand everything that God's doing because God's God and we're not. You you keep walking by faith on the journey. You know what I mean? You begin by faith, and then the longer you go, like, I have more complex questions than I had in the beginning now. Like, I'm like, Lord, if this, this, and this, and what about this and this? Or why did this happen? Because I thought this, this, and this, and your word says this, and then this thing happens. Like, I don't understand how this all fits together. And then the Lord reminds me, Daniel, I'm asking you to trust me, not that I'm going to explain everything to you. And then I keep on the journey, just one foot in front of the other every day, seeking to follow the Lord. And so, listen, if you're here today and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you need to be. The only thing keeping you from following Jesus is your own lack of faith. And faith's a muscle. And you're like, I've never used that muscle before. Like, listen, it'll work out today, first day, here at Crossroads. Just take that step of faith today. And then, of course, let those who have ears to hear, those whose names are written in the book of life, let him hear. And then it reminds us, verse 10 is these kind of unique statements. It's this statement that says, look, it's whatever measure you use, get measures back to you. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed by the sword. And it's a reminder that in these last days, there's going to be this intense persecution of the church. And we have to remember that whatever measure you use, it gets measured back to you. And so these things all work together in God's universe in a way that is powerful and actually kind of quite logical. Now, if you move on to verse 11, we see another character who shows up. Remember I told you Satan's counterfeiter, right? So he has his own counterfeit Christ, Jesus, who we call the Antichrist. And of course, he doesn't want to leave out the Holy Spirit. So we get the counterfeit Holy... It's really, you can't even call him counterfeit Holy Spirit. It's like, it's the satanic spirit, so to speak. Look at what it says, verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth... And he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs 
so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he has been granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand and on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except that one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. My friends, here is what we commonly call the false prophet. Here is the false prophet. And this is the satanic version of the spirit of God. The goal of this false prophet, of course, is to point people to the beast so that they would worship the beast, which is exactly the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job is to point people to Jesus so that Jesus would be glorified. He takes of the things that are Jesus and declares them openly. Same exact idea here. So, and he's called the false prophet in Revelation 16, 13, Revelation 19, 20, and Revelation 20, 10. So I just kind of take the phrase, the false prophet, put it in here, same thing. Now it's interesting, the beast from the earth. So some scholars would say, well, the beast from the earth is going to be of a Jewish ethnicity. I'm not going to overpress it, but it is fascinating. What does the false prophet do? First, he exercises the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Now, does that remind you of the prophet Elijah, right? Remember when he called down fire? on the standoff with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. So again, this counterfeiting of biblical ideas. Notice verse 14. He deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword. So you see, again, what's the work? The work is the work of what? Deception. He's deceiving people. He's using these miraculous signs. He's deceiving people. And then he's he's trying to get the people to make this image of the beast. And then look at verse 15. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as who would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Now, this is interesting. So there's going to be these images of the beast And this false prophet is able to give some sort of life or breath to it. Now, some people are going to say, well, is this artificial intelligence? And the answer is, is, I don't know. Now, can we say something? Because we're also going to see how the false prophet uses this mark of the beast on the forehead or the right hand so that you can't buy or sell either. So can we just talk about this for a second? I believe, and this is my personal belief, so I just put it in like this isn't the gospel. This is just Fusco's ideas. Okay, what happens, I think, for the church, because we read these things, we have a tendency to totalize things and make them this. And when they're not this, like I was talking to someone recently, they lived in a family, they never used a credit card because the credit card was the mark of the beast. Now, I laughed about that because I laughed about it because I'm Italian. So like the Italian guys with the big roll of money and stuff, I grew up like that. So 
I just always imagine, like, you know, my uncle Sonny would come out. He's like, how much is it? $400. He'd be like, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, it's all, like, that was my, my family. So maybe, but like, a credit card is not the mark of the beast. And in the same way, if you believe that the giving kind of life to the image of the beast that the false prophet does is artificial intelligence, then if we're not careful, then like right as you like go somewhere and it's like, oh, some of you do this, you go to like to the hospital and you like wait on the long line for the people rather than using the computer because you're like, that thing's a problem. Does that make sense? So like we, we become, we become kind of socially regressive. Now, really, I actually believe that there's not artificial intelligence, but we're going to, obviously we have a much more technologically savvy world than it's ever been. And a lot of these things are great conveniences. Like nobody gets mad about technology when your car breaks down and you go to the mechanic and they put it on the computer. And so like we have to make sure that we don't fall off one side of the horse or the other because these technological advances are pretty awesome. I mean, I was just, me and Lynn and the kids were just driving. We went away for a couple days and it was so funny. And Lynn's like, do you know where you're going? I'm like, the GPS knows where I'm going. I remember back in the day, you used to have like the Atlas, you know what I mean? If you got it from AAA, it would be in the car and you were like, where is something? And, and you know, back in the day, husbands stereotypically wouldn't go to the gas station to ask for directions. Now, you don't even need people working at the gas stations. Everyone's got a GPS. You just kind of put the thing in and it works. Except if you lose cell signal, and that's kind of a bummer. So I don't want us to overstate the fact that is this artificial intelligence or what does it mean? But obviously there's going to be something going on where there's this image of the beast. I don't know what it's going to be or what it's going to look like, but it's going to take on some sort of life. And if you don't worship the beast, then there's going to be persecution for that. Now, what's interesting is for the people who believe that all of this is actually fulfilled in the first century, all of this points to the worship of Caesar and how he would use these different people to go into a community if they thought they were Christians to say, if you worship Caesar, you're going to live. And if you don't, you're going to be martyred. And there was all these people who lapsed in their faith. They worshiped Caesar. And there was a great controversy in the early church, read church history, for people who denied Jesus so that they could live when they wanted to be readmitted to the church later. Very fascinating. Like if someone denies their faith so that they survive and then they're like, I really was really wrong, the early church really struggled. What do I do with that? Do we let them back in? And I don't want to recommend a movie, but it is a horrible movie to watch. It was a movie called Silence. It was about a Portuguese missionaries, a Catholic missionaries in Japan. Slow movie. Very beautifully shot. But it was a very challenging movie because it showed the way that they really traumatized believers and the missionaries to try and get them to renounce their faith so that the people would renounce their faith. And it was like, so I'm not recommending the movie, but it is one of those movies that like, if you're interested in history and a different time, it's very horrible to watch. But that would go on in the, in the early church where they would be, literally they'd be tortured and persecuted. And if they didn't renounce their faith, they would lose their life. Or lots of people chose to renounce their faith. So people see, oh, this is that going on in there. God is working around the world right now, bringing people to him in places that are very hostile to the God of the Bible. Pastor Daniel shared about some of the areas of the world where God is reaching out to people who are sincerely looking for him. And Pastor Daniel taught today how this is going to happen as well at the end of the time, because God loves mankind and is always trying to bring them in relationship with him. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. 
I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus is Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just click on Give. Thank you for partnering with us. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel will kick off his teaching on Revelation 14. He'll be focusing on the hope that's contained in this book, why it's important for you to embrace that hope as you live your life in the world. Pastor Daniel will be talking about God's plan for mankind, how you fit into that plan. Now God's using his people to let others know there's an alternative way to live your life. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.